Front office, please hold. Why must you turn my office into a house of lies? <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Front Office Podcast. Kev, Jet, and Kyle are back with you this week. Fellas, what's going on? I was trying oh, to man. place what that quote was. Is that when Marge is doing the play? No, that's when uh, the dentist asked Ralph how much he brushes. Yes. <laughs> This is the big book of British smiles. Book of British smiles. <laughs> That's a good And plan. finally, age 18. <laughs> and the tooth right through her fucking eyeball. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Oh, in man. part the point that his yeah. heart tears in half. Yeah. Oh. Anyways, the boys are back for another week, and uh, again, all of us are so busy, but we enjoy doing this so much that, uh, again, this is uh, just another way for us to kind of vent all of our frustrations of all the shit that's happening with summer camps and sidewalk chalks and kids running amok and two, you know, <laughs> everything you can think of. But uh, anyways, the Front Office Podcast, as always, is brought to you by our pals at the Smoke Shack and BTP Smokehouse, Kev. Promo coded up. Bop 10. F-O-P-10 on your online checkout for the best barbecue you will ever eat. And our buddies over at Human 2.0, a world-class fitness facility in Ottawa, Ontario. When you register for one of their free trial classes, mention the podcast and you will get a second one. So, gents, I know we've got a very information-heavy show tonight. So, we're going to get right into it because, obviously, your bet from the last time is still lingering. Jimmy Garoppolo has not been traded or released, so we don't have a resolution to that bet. So, we'll leave that on the table for this week. Kev, I know you got something that's burning a hole in your brain. I'm getting a nice aroma coming from the coffee pot. Let's go grind some beans over with our guy, Kev. Okay, this one has been all over, not just sports news, but uh, national, international news. Um, If you have been following, uh, I can't even say the scandal. I'm going to call, I'm going to say it's very much like a Watergate situation where uh, Rick Westhead, if if you know him, he's a journalist, he has been blowing the lid off the top of the sporting world, specifically here in Canada. He, he's opened the door and, or rather lifted the rock and showed us all the disgusting rodents and bugs that exist in Hockey Canada. Um, we're finding out all the assaults that have taken place of a sexual nature and sexual harassment and the amount of money that's gone into... Um, basically putting the lid on all these stories and signing NDAs in um, out of court settlements with victims. And uh, it is out of this world. I, I think everyone here can say we, we all knew this was happening. It was not just a hockey thing. 
but Hockey Canada, the heavy, the most funded sports body in Canada, um, where even you know the prime minister of the country is is coming out and calling for people to resign and talking about the investigation that's going to go uh, yeah taking underway come September. And every day, Rick Westhead blows open a new story. And if you follow him on Twitter, he just came out and said he's hearing lots of rumblings about uh, misconduct and uh, inappropriate behavior by student athletes in Canadian universities. And we're former U Sports athletes at the time, CIS, and uh, we know for a fact that it exists. And in today's world, lots of the behavior that was going on back then is not going to look very positive. It's all going to come out. I think uh, I think this is good. I think this is, for anyone with kids, this is a sign that uh, that world isn't going to exist for much longer and sports will be a more inclusive and safe place. i I got to say kudos to Rick Westhead. And uh, my heart goes out to the survivors, to, to all the people that have been victimized who have been silenced for so long and for those that were afraid to come forward and, and look for help i'm just happy that this is not going away hockey canada about a week and a half ago probably thought you know what this will blow over and uh, and it extends to the states too right take a look at the nfl and deshaun watson uh people are not happy six games six games for basically being a disgusting predator in every way shape or form even if he were to get a game suspension for every victim that came forward, I don't think that's enough. Should never see a football field again. Think of all the games Josh Gordon missed because he smokes weed. And you got Deshaun Watson out there victimizing and sexually assaulting people uh, and getting away with it for so, so very long. Um, Again, it's been two weeks of lots of, secrets coming to light and i think they were all secrets everyone pretty much knew existed i'm just happy this is finally hopefully going to tear down and again my heart goes out to all the survivors of sexual harassment sexual abuse um kyle your thoughts you know what kev i i'm very glad that you did bring this up because i know that we've talked about this at length you know, just in our personal conversations and, you know, obviously mentioned it multiple times on the show, but uh, I think I was going to dedicate an episode strictly to this, but this is a good starting point because obviously we're seeing a lot more of the things being released in Canada. So, you know, first and foremost, I, I find myself being caught in these conversations almost daily, just with people that I know. And a lot of them are just asking, you know, what are your thoughts on it? How do you feel about that? What do you think is going to happen? Because obviously, you know, Kev, you, you know, you and I both know that, you know, we've been both fairly dialed in, not only from, you know, a volunteering perspective, but from a playing and also a coaching perspective as well. So, you know, and obviously myself, you know, working in that industry for a long time, you see a lot of the things that have just become acceptable in in the state of amateur and professional sports and i i actually had a conversation i won't mention with who but i had a conversation about this because they they made a comment about something that we had posted on our social media just in regards to the the lightness of the deshaun watson suspension and 
basically, you know, it was just highlighting the fact that, you know, there's so many things that happen in the league and, you know, there's other people that are, you know, getting caught for very serious offenses and crimes and they're basically not being suspended or fined at all because again like we mentioned a few weeks ago on on our show the purpose of the players union nowadays is to have the backs of the offenders and not have the backs of the rest of the people that are playing the sport but then when it comes to a thing like the Deshaun Watson thing who's got the back of the you know, the women who are obviously affected by this situation. You know what I mean? Like you've got the criminal lawyer who's taken on the case, but at the end of the day, there's always a sense of, yeah, but, you know, maybe they, you know, maybe they just want to pay out. Like, is that where we've come to this point where people just assume that people are coming forward and saying something because they want to pay out? Now, I'm not naive enough to the fact that it does happen. Obviously, people are going to you know, go out and make up these elaborate stories because they want a payday. And we've seen this happen multiple times. And it's I taking read a that, bit- Kyle. Kyle, I read this recently. It was a statistic that came out. 0.05% of all sexual assault, harassment, uh, abuse claims turn out to be fraudulent. Like, not even close yeah. to point. It, like, it's it, it, not even a fraction of a percent. Yeah. But, but but this is just emphasizing my point, Kev. But yep. people will cling to that small percentage to say, but there's always going to be the other side of it. Okay, great. But what about the people who are actually affected by these things? What are we actually doing for them? Right. Are we going to the lengths we should be, which is penalizing the people who are allowing this behavior to happen? And in Hockey Canada's case, this is an organization that obviously was more prepared to be reactive than proactive on these things. And this is the issue when it comes to these higher ups, when it comes to athletic departments, when it comes to you know um, encompassing bodies that you know oversee a specific sport. The old boys or old girls network that have been in charge of these things forever. This is the kind of situation that they brought up, and people have become comfortable allowing this behavior to happen and saying, "Well, we'll just put some money aside, and we'll, you know, we'll put a situation in, you know, like I said, with Hockey Canada." We'll put some money aside in case because they know something's coming forward and they have to pay somebody off. But in case we have to pay somebody off under the table, so this goes away. And the fact that it's not going away now, guess what? Shit's going to hit the fan. And I think everybody who is ever involved in these types of situations that have known about these things and entitled this type of behavior, you are the people who deserve to be put on trial for allowing this to happen because again even if you're not the one doing the assaulting but you've known about it and you actually you know and again we talked about it kev when you mentioned the chicago blackhawks thing many episodes ago people in that organization knew what was happening mm-hmm. and they just kept pushing the problem further and further down the road and kicking the can down the road to make it somebody else's problem well this is what's happening at a lot of different places and i think all of us knew well shit you know, this happens all the time with different organizations. It's just people aren't coming forward. And now that they are, here we are in this situation. And again, I do applaud the people who are taking the initiative to bring this to light. And, you know, with the new minister of sport in Canada, Pascal St. Ange, she seems like she wants to absolutely rectify the situation, bring it back down to the roots and say, what's the problem here? 
let's get rid of the people who are enabling this type of behavior, start fresh, and then build back up from the ground up. Because again, like we mentioned many times, sometimes the best way to grow a forest is to burn it down to ash and let it grow back up from scratch. So I think this is what needs to happen with the whole sporting landscape from an amateur perspective in my eyes. So anyways, very good, uh, very good topic to start off the show to get the juices flowing, Kev. Jet, you have any thoughts on it? Uh, I was actually going to say the thing that I, that I think about when I think about this whole Deshaun Watson situation, and I'm, and I'm hearing what you guys are saying with regards to, you know, some people saying, you know, oh, some people are coming for payouts and so on and so forth. The sheer numbers are nuts. But that's that's the biggest thing to me. Like the sheer numbers are nuts. And the scariest thing in this situation with regards to him getting six games, six games, like let's think about this. Like I remember Ezekiel Elliott got four. And that was for one accusation that, from what I understand, turned out to be like a jaded ex-girlfriend or something like that. But he got four. This dude got six. That's it. Calvin Ridley is indefinitely suspended (laughs) for betting $1,000 on a game. Yeah, but you know what? You bring up a very good point. But you know why? Because Calvin Ridley's actions could have financial ramifications for the league that's it that's why but but if deshaun watson is not there that will have other financial ramifications because the thing is there's no such thing as bad publicity okay in the sense that now the people who hate deshaun watson for what is happening will tune in every sunday to hopefully see him get his you know his block knocked off so this was like this was a financial move like when i look at it but at the same time you know those the same people that are like you know a couple of months ago might have been like oh you know they're going to judge this player or judge that player but it's like if he comes to your team it's like well maybe you know uh, maybe there is just accusations and right now the biggest issue with this and i and this is going to seem very extreme. I'm not putting them on the same level at all, but I'm thinking about the whole Aaron Hernandez situation. Why did Aaron Hernandez's situation get so bad? Because he kept getting away with stuff and kept getting slapped on the wrist. So when I look at this situation, I'm like, what are y'all going to wait for? Like for him to legit, like, you know, um, assault and battery and, do something to someone on freaking live stream like is that what you guys are waiting for i'm not really sure how much worse it could be you know what i mean because just looking at the situation like i, I saw a video of him playing uh i guess basketball in his house with with uh mia khalifa right i had to look up who mia khalifa was i i didn't i don't know who no, she you did research purposes <laughs> for strictly re- listen she did an interview with the bbc and then that's how i realized oh she's an entertainer okay mm. so she was playing basketball with this is the dudes out here playing basketball with porn stars fine that's your business i don't care but people are looking at that and just going like oh that's so funny he's playing basketball no nah, man this dude got like assaulted women too 
Like, like we can't just look at this and laugh it off and then and then ignore the rest. But that's that's the negative aspect of having quote unquote sports heroes, right? Like they get they get away with shit. That's the reality. Yeah. So you know, let's just hope that again the doors keep getting kicked open and these things keep being brought to light because the only way that it's going to get fixed is if we identify the issues and make sure that they're out in the public so that way we can identify you know we can fix them so anyways moving on when we talk about things like you know wrestling we talk about things like storytelling we do movie reviews we do trivia you know episodes these are things that are fun you know obviously we want to be very well rounded when it comes to our podcast we don't want to be that one, you know, single show that identifies one topic and we just beat the shit out of it. But I think everyone who listens to this show knows that the three of us are very well versed when it comes to the sport of football. And that being said, the NFL is back. Obviously, we, we've you know mentioned Deshaun Watson and a few things that have come up with that, but Training camps officially started earlier this week, and I think a lot of people are very, very tuned in this year, especially with a couple of different things that have come to light. So now with the new NFL streaming service that they control themselves and they can now offer to people, I think people are you know really taking a liking to that. You know, you get the, the off-season maneuvering with the different announcing teams going to different networks to see what that's going to shape up to be like, you know, a lot of things are going to be happening. Obviously, it was a crazy offseason with the draft and free agency and you know, quarterback trades and wide receiver trades here, there, and everywhere. This is really shaping up to be a very, very, very interesting season. So we thought, what better timing than to do our official 2022-23 NFL preview episode. Fellas, are we ready to roll? We are ready to rock. Let's hear it. I I am also excited to go. (laughs) Hey, Lisa, here is a ball. Perhaps you'd like to bounce it. (laughs) All right. So, again, a lot lot to cover tonight. So, we're going to take it one by one. But, again, we'll cover... Who we think you know are going to be good this year? Who we think are going to be bad? Divisional winners, Super Bowl contenders, MVP candidates, rookies of the year, coaches on the hot seat. You you think about it. We're going to talk about it tonight. But first, I want to get into this because this was kind of what triggered my you know my thought for the episode tonight. So obviously, we all played football, you know, at a very high level. We went through multiple training camps. You know, obviously, guys are going through it right now. I sent a message to us in our group chat about, you know, Trevor Penning with the New Orleans Saints, you know, picking fights and practices. He's been kicked out of practice three days in a row, and now he's been reprimanded by his coaching staff. Apparently, you know, everybody on the defensive, you know, uh, defensive staff and players just absolutely hate the guy. So I'm looking at that and I'm saying, you know what? There's so many good memories that come from training camps but there's also bad memories that come from training camps. So I wanted to start it off by saying in our own personal experiences, name one good or bad training camp experience that you guys can remember that really, you know, just kind of gets people immersed into what training camp is actually like. So Jet, why don't you kick us off? (laughs) Um, 
Hmm. Actually, you know what? Uh, I remember my, I think it was my, probably my first, it was either my first or my second, it must've been my first, my first training camp. So I'm wet behind the ears, you know, come in, uh, you know, obviously the game is a lot faster when you get to the collegiate level and so on and so forth. And I remember lining up at defensive end and there were two things that were, that were interesting. So number one, coming in as a rookie, I, I went up against um, uh, a guy who's been on the show before Brock Fleming. So you can imagine, I'm like, who? I'm like, they, they, they build dudes that look like fucking Vikings. Like what the fuck is going on right now? So that's the first one-on-one I had. So that was fun. So made me kind of question if <laughs> I could play collegiate football, but the funniest thing that ever happened to me. And I, like, I still laugh about it now is I remember lining up a defensive end and Dave Azzi, okay. Who was one of like the best athletes I've ever practiced against friend of the show dave azzy former third overall pick by the ottawa renegades yes sir yes sir and i remember uh i when i lined up he started his cadence he turns looks at me and just goes oh i'm about to embarrass you and i'm like huh (laughs) what what's happening right now and then sure enough they snap the ball and he runs this ridiculous fake and then takes off on a bootleg and then when i turn and look at him he's like i told you i told you i was gonna embarrass you rookie and i'm just like okay all right we we have arrived this is what we're gonna be doing now Uh, it just it just stuck into my mind for sure this is the Uh, next five years of my life experience (laughs) what this is the next five years of my life exactly exactly All right, Kev, good or bad training camp memory? I think one of my favorite was uh, probably our first year. Uh, There's just so much downtime between practices and meetings, and it's not (laughs) enough to, like, go home and take a nap, but it's enough to find any possible form of entertainment you can find. And this is the era pre-smartphone, so... People actually talked and had to find things to do uh, when they were sitting in, you know, a waiting uh, waiting room or something like that. But uh, the best camp game ever, where you basically sat uh, 10 yards away from another person with your legs open and a half full water bottle, and you were basically playing horseshoes or cornhole with the other man's scrotum and that water bottle. <laughs> and uh, that was a fun, fun little game. Uh, I preferred watching from the sidelines more than anything, but I think by the end we had like 40 guys all watching, and I think it was Dave Azzi and Tony Planeja going one-on-one, just <laughs> tossing that bottle back and forth. And uh, I like that sums up for me, like all those little games, all the, anything we could do to find time. Like I think even that year we didn't have air conditioning in the building because it was the, the great power outage or whatever. And uh, so we were spending most of our time in the hockey rink just that that is probably my favorite camp memory all the practice and all that were awful like I hated every single practice because outside of our first year it was just basic stuff because you're trying to catch all the rookies up to speed and you know you've been chomping at the bit just to get back in the season you're two weeks away and you just want to get back into let's prep for an actual team Uh, so I hated the actual practices more than anything 
uh, except when fights broke out. That was always fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that my favorite memory definitely came from, I think it was our third year. And we won't mention the kid's name, uh, but there was a rookie who came in who just happened to play the same position as, as Kevin. And mm-hmm. basically in the first meeting that we have as a team we split up you know split off into groups after we're done our full team breakdown introduction all that kind of good stuff to kick off training camp and the kid comes in and he's like okay well, who's the starting center so you know kev who's reigning all canadian you know obviously he's built up a lot of uh, a lot of clout playing for uh, playing for the school you know raises his hand he's like yeah you know and you know speaking so the kid goes on to say and you know, lack of a better word, I think I'm better than you. I'm going to take your job. So anyone who doesn't know when you're a first year player, this is an absolute no, no, when you come in and, you know, and let alone saying it to just any vet, but don't say it to someone who's established himself as being the top of their position in the fucking country. So needless to say, Every day in training camp, there is always something that would actually come down from all of us. Because again, as an offensive line, we're a unit, we're a group. We always stick together, especially with you know the the guys who have been through it, you know, for a number of years, like the starters and the dressers. So we're going to take care of our own. So naturally, you know, and again, it's all in good fun. But we had to teach the kid, you know, the understanding of the respect factor. So whether it's hey you know, you're on, you know, breakfast duty tomorrow and you got to get this. And I think the the best thing for me, never Kev, you know, you guys were easy. You said, you know, we want, you know, boxes of donuts when it comes to breakfast. That's all I ever asked for. Bring a box of donuts. Yeah. First Mm -hmm. meeting, you know, of the morning, always a box of donuts on the table. But my little way of getting underneath this kid's skin to make sure that he knew not to do this type of shit in the future was, okay, I want a cinnamon raisin bagel. I want one half toasted, one half not toasted, one half with cream cheese, one half with butter. And if it's not that way, then you're going to have to go back and get me another one. So just that type of stuff. But those are always my favorite things because obviously we did that stuff as a rookie group, but I don't think that we had the same level of you know fun veterans that we ended up becoming because again, as you get older as a group, you really you know, develop that bond. And that's kind of like the welcoming into it with the younger players. So that was always something that stuck out to me is that just the little the kind of pranks and games that you play during training camp to really kind of get to know everybody. But again, setting the tone early and making sure that people understand when they come in as a first-year player, these are the types of things that you can't do. These are the types of things that you should be doing going forward to be a cohesive unit. So that was always a good uh, a good memory for me whenever I look back at that. Plus the donuts. Plus the donuts. Plus the donuts. Or ice cream <laughs> cake. Or, you know. <laughs> I, I remember a McDonald's breakfast one time. That was pretty solid. Yeah, who did that? They all had McGriddles. I remember that. I remember that. That was great. Oh, I actually thought of one as I was talking. Uh, there was a specific laundry incident with uh, you know listener of the show and a good friend of ours, Dave Timmons. But uh, essentially, <laughs> been a long camp. We're in week two or three. Laundry service, as um, you know, for people who don't know, after every practice, we throw our laundry in a bag, we toss it in a bin, bring it down to the laundry service at the complex. They do it and they wheel it back for the next practice. 
So needless to say, I think they were short-staffed or something was wrong with the machine that we couldn't get our laundry for a couple of days. So we literally were like backed up on clothes. So it just comes up and everybody's on edge. We just had like a full pad, full pads practice. So everyone's pissed off. And at the end of it, you know, we ask about updates on laundry. Unfortunately, we're not going to have laundry service for another night. We're going to have to wait until tomorrow. And God love him because all of us were thinking it. Dave Timmons stood up and said, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> we all said it. We There's all said no it. Way. We all muttered it. I think when, <laughs> when the reaction from coach came down, and we were all like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Did he catch me saying that? Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, obviously, he, he pinpoints Dave for whatever reason and says, why do you say fuck? And, you know, he kind of shrugs his shoulders like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know why I'm fucking saying fuck. <laughs> just, you know, I just want some fucking clean laundry. I just and- want a clean shirt, coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'll but never again, forget that. You know, we'll never forget that for the rest of our life. One of the best moments and best lines that, and I think it kind of, it broke the tension that was happening after that long day of practice too. So Dave, we know you listen to this buddy, but you know, that was fantastic. We love that. All right. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's move on to the meat and potatoes of it. So we'll go in kind of order here. We'll go over a couple of topics. We'll explain why we think the way that we do, and we'll go from there. So We'll start it off nice and easy. Who do you guys think is going to be picking first in the 2023 draft? Meaning who is going to be the absolute dog shittest team in the NFL this year? Kev. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Cleveland Browns. So you think that one, they're going to be shit because Deshaun Watson isn't going to be able to play or do you think they're going to get off to a rough start because he's not able to play? I'm going to go on a limb and say, Whenever you decide to completely destroy your locker room without even bringing your team into the locker room, you deserve everything you get. And I think they just tore apart their locker room with all, like, just think about how Odell left, um, the controversy there, then how it ended up for Odell. And then take a look at, uh, like, the weird limbo they put Baker Mayfield in for a while. I mean, It's not like he stopped talking to his teammates on the Cleveland Browns during that process. So there was weeks upon weeks in the off season of just tons of discontent going on. Plus, you know, there's probably some guys in that locker room are going, Hey, it's really nice that you've mortgaged the future of the team for the sexual predator, but it'd be great if I didn't have to share a locker space with them. Uh, And I think that's going to tear them apart. Talent wise. I mean, they, they do have talent on that team. They're two years removed from a playoff win. But I just I think that's going to absolutely sink their team. All the controversy behind it. It's not going to be the Deflate Gate Super Bowl season for the Cleveland Browns. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Jet. Um, I was thinking one team, but I'm going to say this team just because they're in my division and they can kick rocks for all I care. The Seattle Seahawks. I just don't see like. I just don't see the talent I, that they have. They're in the, arguably like the toughest, if like second top two in terms of toughest divisions in football. And they just, you don't even know who's going to throw the ball. We have no clue who's going to throw the ball. You gave DK Metcalf all this money. Don't know who's going to throw him the ball. You have Chris Carson who just retired because of neck issues. So you, you're tossing it up or you're, you're, you're banking on either a rookie or 
uh, a former first round pick who, who, who showed some flashes here and there. And on their defense, you have a safety that you mortgaged your future for that you gave up, you know, that can't cover essentially. He just blitzes. You gave up, you, you kept you, you, sorry, you let your best defensive player go in the same division and allowed him, oh yeah, it's okay. He's going to play with, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. It'll be fine. You know, we're going to see him twice a year. He won't be jaded at all and want to kill us. You know what I mean? So I could see them winning like three games, maybe, maybe, unless they make a move for a quarterback, like they could have Jimmy, but we'll see what happens. All right, so Seattle is off the table. And I'm glad that you guys went that way because there's one team that I was looking at and I literally cannot see what they're trying to do when it comes to are they building for the future or are they keeping things intact because they really didn't do anything in the draft. They didn't do anything in free agency. And they have a franchise quarterback who they invested a lot in last year, but they haven't surrounded him with anything. And I'm talking about the Chicago Bears. I don't see how Chicago wins more than three games this year. You got Justin Fields there, who's, again, very nice talent and has all the potential in the world to be an absolute game-breaker at quarterback. But he's your best receiver is a former fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. You'll, you let your guy, you know, your main guy walk in free agency. Your offensive line, who's, who's your guy? You lost your best one to Pittsburgh. Your running back's good. But if there's no one blocking for him, what's going to happen? And on defense, who do you have? So I think we got a long season ahead in the land of Chicago because there's not a lot there. Plus, you got a rookie head coach and rookie GM. I think that they're going to be mortgaging a lot in regards to players getting picks for the future. So very, very down season in Chicago ahead. All right. So. We've identified who will be picking first overall next year in the 2023 draft. Moving over to the player side of things, who is a player that you think is going to take the leap this year? Meaning, who is going to stick out and take that next step to becoming that Pro Bowl level talent? Jet, you start us off. You know I was going to go with one of my countrymen. But I really do believe that um, the stars are really beginning to align. Um, unfortunately, Tim Patrick tore his ACL with uh, Russell Wilson coming to town is, you know, the best quarterback they've had since Peyton left. And even I could say when Peyton was there post, you know, neck surgery, so on and so forth in terms of raw talent this is probably the best qb they've had in a very very long time so and because they also had to trade noah fant in that russell wilson trade i think that the door is open for us a, a certain receiver who used to play for the crimson tide mr jerry judy i think this is going to be a big year for him i think He's going to benefit from that moon ball. I think he's going to benefit from, you know, the run game with Javante Williams and the play action opening him up, as well as a healthy Cortland Sutton on the other side. 
uh, who's fully healthy this year, this time around. Um, I think people are going to have some issues trying to cover that man this year. Very good pick. Kev. Justin Fields. Justin Fields is going to take a huge stride. They're already naming him the starter in Chicago um, to get the season up and running. Um, And I think with his emergence as an elite quarterback or showing the glimpses of an elite quarterback this year, I think Darnell Mooney is going to have an incredible complimentary year as a result. And Justin Fields, my pick to take the biggest leap from year one to two. Plus with my prediction of them being dog shit, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So that's true. It's kind of like garbage time Bortles back in the day. <laughs> or just garbage Bortles. We love, we love garbage time. I, I won a fantasy football championship because of Kelvin Benjamin garbage time when he played for the Panthers. So We'll uh, we'll be okay with that. All right, so we're going with skill positions for the first two, and I'm going to go with one of the big boys because I think this is something that gets overlooked a lot, and I know we analyze it as as a group with the three of us in our in our group chat. And I'm going to the New York Giants, and a guy that I've been a fan of ever since he was drafted. People thought he was drafted too high. He battled some injuries his first year, but he came back last year and actually had a very good season. And if the Giants had been a bit better. He would have got a lot more recognition. But now that they've drafted a giant bookend to play with him in Evan Neal, I think Andrew Thomas is going to show that he is a top five tackle in the NFL this year because he's got the pedigree, he's got the size, he's got the talent, and I think it's actually going to show out because now they're going to get a healthy Saquon Barkley. He's two years now removed from that ACL surgery, so hopefully he'll be back in full swing. They've got a good, innovative head coach in there with Brian Dable. Daniel Jones is obviously in a contract year, so he's going to be playing his best football. I think you're going to see a guy like Andrew Thomas get more hype because of the talent that's going to be around him with the Giants. So Andrew Thomas is my guy taking the leap this year to be the next elite tackle in the NFL. I, I think I, I agree with you in this because just because I love the name, I think he's going to get so much better in practice because he's going to be going up against Kayvon Thibodeau <laughs> on a regular basis. Yeah. It's going to make him even better than he would have been already. Yeah. All right. So now that we're moving on to, you know, we went with team. We're talking about player. Let's go to the coach level. Which coach is going to be the first one fired this season? Kev, we'll start with you. Uh, this is a tough one, but I think Ron Rivera goes. Wow. Interesting. Yep. yep. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, cause I like him as a person and a coach. I like everything he, he stands for. Um, but uh, Washington, I don't think they're going to make enough strides in their division. I think he's going to, catch the blame for it when it's not his fault. And he's the demure type of head coach that would easily fall on that sword. And I think, uh, I think the news media will hop all over him. The talking heads in the States when Washington's not performing well, will totally buy in and say, that's why the Carolina Panthers are the way they are because of Ron Rivera's tenure there, despite him taking them to a Super Bowl. 
while he was there, I think they'll say that he's past his prime. Time to put him out to pasture. All right. Interesting. Jet, who's the first coach fired this year? I've had it up to here with your rule. <laughs> Matt Rule. I, I just, I don't like, I don't like him as a coach. I don't know what it is. I just don't like him as a coach. Um, but I just, I look at Carolina and if the only thing that might save him is if, um, oh my God, why am I drawing a blank? You know who I'm talking about. If McCaffrey comes back healthy there you and go. gives them a chance in every game, right? But they still have – they don't know who their starting quarterback's going to be. So I still think that there's some confusion there. And same thing, like I'm not really sure what their vision is with that team. Like I feel like they need more clarity. Uh, I know last year, I think every single round, they spent it on a defensive player, I think it was last year. Um, so perhaps we'll see a difference. But in a division where you have, like, I think that's the Bucks division, uh, everybody is not expecting the Falcons to really do anything. So, and that's, and they have a first year head coach. Um, and the Saints have talent when they're going to have Jameis Winston back. So I think that they're going to be maybe better than some people think. I, I could see him losing his job. Um, due to losing to the Falcons who have no talent later on in the season when they need a win. All right. Well, again, I can't believe you guys didn't go with this one because it's so obviously this person who's going to be fired this season. We're going to go to a team with an owner who has a penchant for being in the public eye. He always wants to be making the decision that keeps the team at the front of you know the public. Uh, sorry, the front of the media's you know eyesight. And again, I think he's a little bit trigger happy. He said all the right things in the offseason, but I don't believe him for a second because I think that he sees a person they have on staff who he wants to promote, much like he had before in the same situation, and just like he did when he fired Wade Phillips and moved Jason Garrett into the head coaching role. I think Jerry Jones is going to get antsy if the Cowboys come out and struggle and Mike McCarthy is going to get shown the door and Kellen Moore is going to be moved up to the head coaching role. So the Cowboys are going to be getting rid of Mike McCarthy as the first head coach fired this season. Mark my words. That would be a good, good firing. I, I agree. I agree. Never like that hire in the first place. It, it, yeah, it did make a lot of sense. And at the end of the day, I think you've got two good coaches as coordinators who are there in Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore, who could potentially step into that head coaching role. And I think the reason why Dan Quinn didn't take one of those head coaching opportunities is because there's probably potential that he sees in getting that, you know, that head coaching role at Dallas. But again, I think that the way that Jerry thinks Kellen Moore is like the young offensive guru, even though I don't like the way that he calls games, but that's the type of guy who I think he's looking at replacing McCarthy with. So again, there's Pete Carroll, who again, his seat's never been hotter than before. Is he going to retire? Forced into retire? Is he going to get fired? Who knows? And another surprising to look out for, I think if, you know, we've mentioned Cleveland already, Cleveland's owner, Jimmy Haslam, 
gets an itchy trigger finger when it comes to his head coaches. And if they don't start out very well, the first easy domino to fall is that head coach. So Kevin Stefanski, he should be looking uh, looking over his shoulder a bit if they don't get off to the start they need to. I All right. What? I agree with you. I, I thought Pete Carroll for sure. But I think because he won a Super Bowl and has been to a Super Bowl, I feel like they'll afford him the respect of just, okay, you know what? Let's play out this season. We're already shit anyway. And then we'll just part ways at the end of the season. But is the general manager going to be in the hot seat if he doesn't fire Pete Carroll? True. Right? <laughs> Throw him under the bus. Well, I mean, that's the, way that, that's the way it works, man. Pause for a second. Jet, are you doing a mock draft right now? Uh, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that bloody sound. We know exactly what you're up to. Who are you picking? Uh, who are you picking? Uh, who am I picking? Uh, I just took McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I love how our conversation is just as stimulating for our, our hosts as it is for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're listening first of all at home my my heart goes out to you but you should also be mock drafting yeah make sure that you're make sure that you're following all of jethro's advice because uh again he's ever so good at this fantasy football thing um all right so offensive and defensive rookies of the year who's it gonna be and why jet um, so for offensive rookie of the year, I picked, uh, Brees Hall. Uh, I think they, the, that the Jets, cause I'm a big fan of, um, Robert Sala. I'm a very big fan of his, uh, from his days back in San Fran. So I think, I think that they're centered around, yes, they have a franchise quarterback in, uh, the MILF hunter, um, Zach Wilson. Uh, but I think what they're going using to the do... word franchise quarterback is a very generous okay. term. They have a quarterback for their franchise <laughs> versus a <laughs> franchise a quarterback. Okay, um, but I think you know, bringing it back to the days of of uh, San Fran, I think they want to play tough defense and they want to run the ball and they want to run a play action type of situation. So I think that that's going to put Brees Hall in a lot of positions where he's going to be carrying the ball a lot. So he's going to have a lot of opportunities. Yes, he plays in a tough division. He has to play the Buffalo twice. He has to play Miami twice. He has to play New England's defense twice. I get it. But I think that he's going to have a lot of opportunities that presents itself. And because he's going to be potentially playing with uh, Michael Carter and you know, he's not going to be like a, like a workhorse or anything like that. I think that he'll, he'll get some opportunities. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I think that this guy is going to play with such a chip on his shoulder. He's fucking because, because he feels so disrespected at the fact that people passed on him for two rounds. I'm putting my money on Nicobe Dean to be the defensive rookie of the year. I could see him flying around the field and making anywhere from eight to 12 tackles per game easily. And, and like I said, I think he's going to play pissed and 
the fact that he has such a good defensive line in front of him as well with his old teammate Jordan Davis. Uh, I think he's a big old Fletcher, boy. I think they still have Fletcher Cox, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, Brandon Graham. Like they have and Br- they Barnett. Have, exactly. So they have. And, and they signed Hassan Reddick in free agency. Golly. So I think he's in a great position. And and the secondary isn't isn't bad at all either, right? With uh, you know Slay and uh, and you know uh, they they took Jimmy Ward from the night Jimmy Ward from the night no, no Jaquiski Tart Tart Pop Tart Pop Tart <laughs> he dropped the ball in the Super Bowl and in the championship and he's like I'm out yeah <laughs> I'm out I can't do it um, but yeah I think he's in a really good position to win that that uh, that award. All reports out of Philadelphia say the best player. Vets included in camp so far has been Nicobe Dean. And there it is. You boys know how much I have been waving that flag from the get-go. I am a huge fan of his, and I could not agree more with that selection. Kev, who's winning offensive and defensive rookies of the year? Uh, defense is an easy one. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson's going to get uh, a ton of sacks. Big Hutch. He's going to be put in some one-on-one situations uh, against oh. <laughs> You're on the clock there, Jet. Who's your second round pick? <laughs> no, we're waiting. Who's your second round pick? Oh, no, I wasn't even picking anymore. I closed that app. I sure thought you I did. Yeah, I okay. thought I closed the app. That's the, that's the everything is closed alarm. <laughs> It'll sound every time. Every three <laughs> seconds, as long as everything is closed. Um, no, Aiden Hutchins is going to take defensive uh, rookie of the year. And um, I think it'll all come down to the fact that uh, he's going to be pretty, pretty much in one-on-one situations where teams maybe discount him a little bit this rookie year, and then it won't happen again. They're they're going to have to find ways to to block him and shore up their line whenever they're playing in Detroit because Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a good one for years to come. And then uh, this one's tough. But I think it's going to be a receiver, and I think it's going to be Garrett Wilson on offense. You know, tough to go against a guy like Garrett Wilson, especially because he's going to be in a very young receiving core. So it's going to be him, Elijah Moore, you know, Corey Davis. Obviously, they've got the aforementioned Brees Hall back there. I think the Jets could actually, you know, be pretty exciting to watch if Zach Wilson could ever figure out how to throw a football. So, you well, know, it's going to be Wilson to Wilson, and if they throw a Wilson ball, that will be an interesting touchdown connection. And, and I mean, the castaway reference touchdown dance is just writing itself. So, <laughs> how do you do that? Like, what? It, is he just going to scream Wilson at the ball, and then the both Wilsons will do that? I think if you were like put your gloves and have like the Wilson face on your gloves, that oh, would actually do very that's very well. Good. But um, I think that when he scores touchdowns, you're going to hear Stacy's mom. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, I'm telling you. These yeah. Mormons are crazy. They're well, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Zachy loves you more than you will know. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm going to start off with <laughs> I'm going to start off with my offensive rookie of the year, and I think that 
we're talking about guys who dropped in the draft for specific reasons. And again, for this guy, it came down to an injury and potential character issues. But I think he went to the perfect team at the perfect time because he can take over as the de facto number one receiver because they're probably going to let their number one guy play out this year and not resign him. I'm looking at George Pickens as being the offensive rookie of the year. That boy can play. Have you seen the film out of yes. camp? Yes, I have seen the film out of camp. And anyone who hasn't, go watch it because this guy's doing stuff that they're actually impressing every single day. One-handed catches, his blocking drills are on point, and he just plays angry. And I love that out of receivers. I I will say, have you ever seen the video of him watching himself get drafted? Yep. He is a psychopath. <laughs> he's, he's a psychopath. I know anyone who hasn't seen this video, you need to Google and find this video. He's literally sitting there with some type of ski mask with on. Balaclava on. He's sitting there with a balaclava on, with a tight shirt on, and he's just looking at the screen, just going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's he looks like a crazy person. Yeah, which is and, why he's going like to be my rookie of the year because yeah. he's not only is he going to impress when he's catching the football, but watch when this guy blocks. He's fun to watch when he blocks. Like you know the video that we were we were watching earlier this week where it showed where Juju just fucking lit up Vontez perfect. Yeah. Like when I saw that, I just thought, yo, Pickens is going to do that to somebody. Everybody, he's going to do it to everybody. <laughs> Anyways, that's my yeah. offensive rookie of the year pick. Defensive rookie of the year, it hurts me to say because it's a division rival, but again, this guy's going to be pissed off because of you know how far he fell in the draft. He was the potential number one overall pick at one point, and he dropped all the way down to number 14 to Baltimore. Kyle Hamilton, the ultimate weapon on a defensive side of the football. This guy is going to a perfect team in Baltimore, He's going to put up massive amounts of numbers when it comes to interceptions, passes deflected, fumble. Like the guy's always around the football. And when you see how he operates in a Baltimore led defense, it's going to be fun to watch, even though I hate fucking Baltimore. I have to give respect to a guy who can play football as well as Kyle Hamilton. So that's my defensive rookie of the year. All right. Who are our MVP picks for this year? So, again, last year, we all whiffed. We went 0 for 3. Aaron Rodgers just kind of trumped all of our picks. So, who are we going with this year? Let's be strategic with this, fellas. Kev, start us off. I think I picked Josh Allen last year, right? Yeah. I, I, I want to say I want to go with him again. Because you watch that uh, loss to Casey and he is hungry. Um, but you know who my team is this year. So I'm going to throw it behind the eventual Super Bowl champion team and their quarterback is going to do it. Justin Herbert. Very good pick. And I think that's going to be a very trendy pick this year with the progression we've seen every single year from Justin Herbert. I mean, that guy just has Hall of Fame written all over him if he keeps going the way that he's going. You know, his mobility, his decision-making, his arm strength, 
you know, it's it's very, very fun to watch, especially with the team like the Chargers. You kind of, you know, an afterthought when it comes to, you know, the division they play in, the city they play in. But let's keep an eye out for them because, again, if they're going to make noise and become that Super Bowl contender, that's going to be the reason why, if, if, uh, is if Justin Herbert takes that next step up. It's a good pick, Kev. Thank you. Jet, who's your MVP this year? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change on the fly because I was gonna pick one of those two guys, but they've been discussed now. Um, you know what? <clears throat> I I know I'm uh, constantly improving. Shameless plug. Uh, that uh, I talked about the fact that um, you, it actually takes two years to recover from uh, an ACL surgery, and this player made a remarkable recovery brought his team all the way to the Super Bowl. If he had half a second more, he finds his receiver down the sideline and they win the Super Bowl. So with that being said, my MVP pick will be Joe Burrow. I think that the changes that they made on the offensive line, something that we didn't see in Seattle with Russell Wilson, you know what I mean? I think that they're, they actually took it seriously and they said, you know what? Look at what he did with a Swiss cheese offensive line. Let's give him an offensive line and see what he can do. I think he's going to, I think he's going to do some damage. I know it's in your division, but I think he's going to, I think he's going to do some, he's going to put in some work. You know, it, it's difficult to not say that he won't be in the conversation. I mean, that was one of my guys who I picked last year at the start of fantasy, who was on my overrated list going into the season because of that reason, because he was one year removed coming off that ACL surgery and they didn't address the offensive line. So the fact that he was able to do what he did last year, and now they've gone in and actually improved the offensive line. Finally, this guy could actually put up some numbers that again, would rival any of the top level MVP candidates, because this is exactly what he's been showing since he came in the league. You keep the guy upright, he's going to make plays for you. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, both those guys from the same draft class, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. So, you know, interesting, uh, interesting take. All right. So I was thinking about this a little bit because I figured that those would be two of the guys who would be coming off. And I mean, we're looking at, you know, the, the always, you know, the always candidates in the Aaron Rodgers and the Tom Brady's of the world. And, you know, obviously people are going to be jumping on the Russell Wilson bandwagon now that he's with Denver. I wanted to go against conventional wisdom and say a guy like an Aaron Donald can be an MVP candidate. A guy like a TJ Watt can be an MVP candidate, but with everything that we've seen over the last two decades it's very hard for someone to become an mvp who's not a quarterback and i picked the guy last year who i thought was going to have an absolute fantastic season i think i jumped the gun a little bit too early because i think that this is actually going to be the year that he does it one because he's in a contract year he wants to get paid now that he's seeing all these contracts getting rolled out to these quarterbacks and he wants to prove to everybody, I won an MVP before. I'm supposed to be the most athletic player at my position. And if we're going to win this year, it's going to be because of me. Because one, my backfield's been banged up. And they traded away my supposed best receiver. 
So now I've got a new fresh crew to work with. I'm going to jump on the Lamar Jackson bandwagon because I think if Baltimore is going to be that contender that everyone's picking them to be, it has to be on the legs and the arm of Lamar Jackson. So again, as dynamic as he is, he's going to need to rush 4,000 yards. And as good as he's becoming as a passer, he's going to need to take that next step up to become a 4,000-yard passer. So last year I predicted it. He'd be the first 4,000-yard passer and a 1,000-yard rusher in one season. But now I think that this is the year that he's going to do it. So Lamar Jackson is my repeat pick for MVP of the league this year. Okay. So... Moving into the divisional round, who's winning each division in the NFL? And we'll go by the NFC first and then go down to the AFC. So, Kev, you'll go first. Jet, you'll go second. I'll go third. All right? So, starting out in the NFC West, who is going to be the winner of that division? Kevin. You got the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to go with the 49ers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to do all the divisions with me. No. Yeah, I thought we were going through all of them, but okay. Go ahead, Jet. Um... I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm going to go with the Rams. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't like the Niners being top seeds. I don't like the pressure. So I'd rather they don't win the division. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. That's why I picked them. <laughs> I have to go with the Rams too. I think that they, they haven't done enough to lose the amount of players that a typical Super Bowl champion would lose to, again, fall from grace. I don't think the division's as strong as it was last year as a whole. So I think that they can actually repeat as the divisional champions with a close second being the Cardinals. But that's only if the Cardinals figure out how to win down the stretch. Because I think they're going to be neck and neck like they always have in the last couple of years. And if they can figure out how to win those tight games down the stretch, they could overtake it. But I'm going with the Rams as well. All right. Let's go with the NFC South. Kev. Uh, Buccaneers on top again. What's that? Buccaneers on top again. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jet. Agreed. I'm going to go outside of the box on this one because, Jet, you made a comment about it earlier. And the more and more I see what this team has done, the more and more I think about who they're getting back, I think that New Orleans is going to be a surprise winner of the NFC South this year. Jameis Winston, if he could stay healthy, Look at how they were. Look at how well they were doing last year. They get Michael Thomas back. They just brought in Jarvis Landry. That receiving court is going to be very, very good with Chris Olave and Marquez Callaway as well. And on the defensive side, you brought in Tyron Matthew to be the captain of that defense. I don't see how New Orleans can't compete and ultimately overtake the Bucs to take that division. So I'm going with the Saints. NFC North, Kev. Oh, 
Okay, so this one's tough because I don't think the Packers are going to be as strong as they were. But you have an Aaron Rodgers that's throwing for the fences in the dying off of his career. So I got to go Packers again. Jet. I'm taking the Vikings. Wow. I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's going to be neck and neck. I think that the Vikings are going to give them a good go, but I think that the Packers still have enough, again, with Aaron Rodgers and the Matt LaFleur coach team to uh, to hold hold serve in that division. So I'm going with the Packers as well. All right, NFC East, Kevin. Giants are going to be on top. The Giants? Yep, I'm going with the Giants. Wow, so much smack about them. That's going to be the upset that makes us look foolish. Okay. Look at our MVP, MVP picks from last year. We whiffed. So I'm going, I'm George Costanza this. I'm going opposite of what I would normally pick. <laughs> okay, Kev, get after it. All right, Jet, who you got? Fly, Eagles, fly. I am also jumping on the EAGL ES Eagles train when it comes to winning the NFC East, which will rain rejoices from not only my brother, but producer Kyle as well. You're welcome, fellas. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're probably not going to win the division now, but anyways, go Eagles. Um, All right. Going back the other way, AFC East. Kev. Bills. Jet. Bills. And there's no way the Bills are not going to win their division this year, so I am also on the Bills. Um, anyone who picks the Patriots, best of luck to you. Um, a bunch of SOBs. Yeah, a bunch <laughs> of SOBs. All right, AFC North, Kevin. Go uh, cool. On top of it all, Bengals. Jet. We can no longer call them the Bungles. I hate that I'm saying this, but I got to go with Baltimore. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But I got to go with Baltimore. Anyways, AFC South, Kev. Colts. Jet. Colts. Make that a clean sweep for the Colts in the AFC South. And finally, the AFC West. The toughest division in football this year. Kev, I know who you're taking already. Well, I do think it's the Chargers, but it'd be nice if they were a wild card Super Bowl winner, but I'm still going to go with the Chargers. Chargers take it. Jet. Los Angeles Super Chargers. Well, you're all on the Chargers. I'm going to go with the stunner of all stunners this year, and I'm going to take Deraydes to upset everybody and take the AFC West and lose in the first round of the playoffs. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Amazing. All right. So there are divisional winners. And last but not least, let's talk about this year's Super Bowl coming up. Who are going to be the representatives from the Super Bowl and who is going to take it home? Kevin, 
this is uh, this is another LA team winning, but this one's going to be the Chargers taking it all home. Justin Herbert, fresh off an MVP winning season, wins his first <clears throat> Super Bowl against. Oh God, I didn't get that far in it. Um, <laughs> I don't know the Bucks. Let's go with the Buccaneers. Chargers and Bucks with the Chargers coming out on top. All right, Jet. Who we got? Whew, this is this is painful for me to say. It's painful for me to say, but I'm going to say Chargers over the Niners. Ooh. All right. Only reason I say that is because I think Trey Lance. This is going to be a growing pain season. And then, if this uh, is a growing pain season and they still make the yep, Super Bowl, yep, yep, yeah, but then they'll trade yep. him. He got the team to the Super Bowl, so he's the worst quarterback in the world, right? They'll run him out of the Super Bowl. He didn't win. Get rid of this loser. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm listen. The, the thing about Jimmy is, I'm not. I'm not going to say he's a complete boob. Like he's not a Nathan Peterman. Like, come no, on. he went all the way. What to I'm Super saying Bowl, yeah. is, we I, what I'm saying is, from. we need a fresh start. That's all I'm saying. We need a fresh yep. start. Yep. Rebuild. Rebuild, yeah, for sure. No, just a fresh two start. Two years removed from a Super Bowl berth, but yeah, rebuild. <laughs> All right. Well, to close it out, I'm going to go with two jaded franchises and two jaded fan bases that will be represented in the Super Bowl this year. And I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills finally breaking the curse and winning their first Super Bowl under Josh Allen. And they're going to be beating a surprise wildcard team that made a run to the Super Bowl out of the NFC, the Arizona Cardinals. Wow. So Bills over the Cardinals, which would be, wouldn't that be a fun Super Bowl to watch? That would be a fun Super Bowl to watch. <laughs> And, and they, our final score is 117 <laughs> to 113. <laughs> and uh yeah, I, I mean I, I gotta put my guy Josh Allen as the as the MVP as well. I think that I hope it goes to overtime. I I do too. I do too, but they both get an opportunity to to have the ball. But <laughs> yeah, anyways, good luck to everybody this season. We've got the chargers as the favorite on this podcast, but watch out for them. Buffalo bills. I think that they're going to make some noise this year, but uh, again, you know, if you cheer for a specific team, best of luck to them. And uh, yeah, like I said, let's just keep following the off season training camp, how things are going to progress because obviously injuries play a big factor in that who knows what's going to happen, but let's see how well we can do at the end of this season with our predictions right now. We'll look back at this episode very fondly. But anyways, that's it for tonight, everybody. Keep tuning in. We're creeping ever closer to that 100 mark, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me. But again, we're making it there because of you, the ghoulies who tune in each and every week. Thank you to Dine Sports for everything you do. Obviously, Kyle and the crew are doing great things. And for those of you who didn't see we have merged our website, the front office podcast with the Dines press box. So now you can find us predominantly on the Dines press box. Very, very excited for that partnership. And uh, again, to the good listener. Thank you very much. Kev jet. You guys can go fuck yourselves, but 
let's uh <laughs> let's do this again all next week because we ever so uh, enjoy doing this but uh until then we bid you adieu jet take us home go fuck yourself too lady bitches hell of a show hell of a show <laughs>